everyone. Thanks for tuning in. We want to invite you to learn more about the heart and vision of City of Lights. So check out our website at cityoflights.church and find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at City Lights Indie. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoy today's message. Good morning, everybody. We awake. We good. I'm just glad to see those who are not deterred by the Indy 500 uh, and all the traffic and those who wanted to take in that wonderful Indianapolis tradition. Um, We're so glad to have you this morning. Thank you so much, Richie. I got it from here. Can we, can we, where's my man Martel? Where's Martel? Can we give our drummer a hand? We're so glad to have him. There he is back there. Wave your hand. Hallelujah. So glad to have my brother. We love our team. I'm, I'm all about one of the things that, one of our visions here at City of Lights, we believe God's called us um, to be a place and part of the vision long term. We begin in, in this level, but we're going to be a house that trains and releases worship leaders throughout the earth. It's part of our call, um, not just, you know, is reproducing worshipers um, that are going to infiltrate, not just, you know, infiltrate, sometimes you think of it a negative connotation, but I believe God wants his glory to be released, and one of the ways that we can do that in our part, part of our call is to release not just any kind of worship leaders, but worship leaders who can produce a sound that crosses ethnic barriers and so part of that is believing and praying for diversity within our own team and for reproduction. I tell our team members, you know, this is not the place where you're going to have the golden throne where you are the guy that plays every week. Uh, we want to have rotation. We want to raise up people, give people opportunity to grow and thrive. My son, Isaiah, was sitting up here, and, you know, we're believing for a culture where the young ones are looking up to the others, and they don't see competition. They see potential. They see legacy. They see someone to transfer, and that that's taking place where even our high schoolers and our middle schoolers are looking at our younger ones and saying, man, there's someone I can pour into. Uh, And so I'm excited about God diversifying us, expanding us, helping us in that. So appreciate that. This morning, we're going to continue with uh, the Unshakable series. And for this morning, our main focus is really about the unshakable story of God. We love story. I mean, you don't have to look far. We're, we meet in a movie theater. You can look at all of the, the posters and, and the reason that people just keep cranking out movies. I mean, right now, especially with the proliferation of streaming and Netflix and all of that, people, we, it's like you can't pump out, crank out stories fast enough for people to just binge and, and, and engulf all that is out there because we connect when we see particularly stories that resonate with us, we just, we just engulf it, whether it's because we're looking for an escape from our present situation or whether we're looking for something that confirms uh, what we're going through or makes us feel better about what we're going through. You're like, well, I'm not that crazy. Um, and, and we kind of get consumed with story. We're wired for story. And it's not just because it just happens to be something that we are randomly connected to. It's because deep in us, we are wired. We are a part of the greater meta narrative of God. That in the beginning, he created. In the beginning, he was unfolding a narrative of redemption and love. And so there's a part of us, even those, whether we are near God or far from God, that there is something that resonates in his heart as his story is echoing and drawing us in. And one of the things that's fascinating to me is not just any story, but we're particularly drawn to stories about sacrificial love, right? Whether it's, you know, the notebook or whether it's, you know, uh, I know some people, like, I'm going to say some movies that don't sound like love stories, but when you think about it, it really is. Like The Gladiator. Anybody seen The Gladiator? Anybody? Anybody? That's a love story. You know what I'm saying? My man was trying to get to his wife, to his kids. You know, 
uh, frozen, you know, love from a sister to sister. Say she sacrificed for her sister. It's, it's real. Bolt. Have anybody seen Bolt, the Disney movie Bolt? Man, my kids were watching Bolt yesterday. Bolt messed me up. It snuck up on me. You ever have a movie that you didn't anticipate was going to be like the tearjerker, and all of a sudden you, like, got cornered, and you're like, wait, huh, what's, what's happening? <laughs> Why are my eyeballs sweating? <laughs> I mean, this dog, Bolt, Bolt was, like, separated from his master, and he was all the way in New York, and his master was all the way in California, and he, I mean, he was like, nothing's going to stop me. I was like, that's what I want. I, I literally, y'all, I'm, I'm not, I definitely Googled yesterday, what kind of Bolt dog was Bolt? I was like, I want to get my own Bolt. <laughs> My kids were like, Daddy, you got us a puppy. No, I got me a puppy. What are you talking about? This is my dog. <laughs> you know, but we, we, we're fascinated with these stories. And I think a big part of why we're so connected is because truly that is the story of God. It's a story of sacrificial love. When we, we see we can be so um, inundated by false perceptions or portrayals of what love is that we forget what it really, it's not just a thing, it's a person in Jesus, and it's been played out in the story of redemption, and that's what we want to talk about today. I want, to, I want you to have, this isn't like just to be, say something catchphrase, but I want us to understand that when we see love just being thrown out there, some flippant thing, love is love is love, it's not this flippant thing, it is demonstrated through the greatest display of sacrifice known throughout all history in Jesus. And so we have to understand, if we're truly going to understand our place in the story, we've got to understand the story itself. Y'all hear me this morning. And so that's what we're going to talk about. We're going to break it down. Some of you, this might be uh, a, a reminder, a refresher course, but it's so important. So often people will ask us, you know, about the gospel or what is the gospel or what is the story of God or what is it, why are we in this thing? Why do we believe in this Jesus? And it can become at, at sometimes it can become this laborious thing where we're like, well, you know, I mean, it's, uh, 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 it can become so convoluted or maybe we haven't processed the question enough that we don't have it in a way that can be transferred and handed to someone. But really the story of God, the story of this gospel can really be boiled down. We're going to distill it to four chapters today. Now, for those of you who aren't familiar with the Bible, these aren't four chapters of the Bible, although these are displayed throughout the Bible. I don't want you to be looking for like, where, where's the chapter of the fall? I don't know where that is. But we're going to break down these themes in this way. So the four chapters that we're going to look at, the way that we're going to break this down is number one, creation. Two, the fall. Three is redemption. And four, restoration. So that's how we're going to hit on this today. And first of all, we're going to begin with creation. In Genesis, I'm going to read three verses here. We're not going to read the whole uh, passage of Genesis 1, but I want to highlight three verses, and then we're going to jump in. First is Genesis 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. In verse 27, God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Verse 31, and God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. Let's pray. Father, I thank you that you did not, <laughs> when you created us, you didn't just get frustrated as we often do when we're making something or creating something or writing something and just ball us up and throw us in the trash can. But Lord, you had a beautifully perfect plan. Lord, you had a beautiful pre-thought 
well thought through plan of not just creation, but restoration. But help us not just to see your story, but to see our place in it. In Jesus' name, amen. In the beginning, God created humanity to be with him in a place called good. I want to say that again. In the beginning, God created humanity to be with him in a place called good. When he is creating, we look at this in the first couple chapters of the Bible, we see this picture of God creating an incredible space. He's creating, uh, he's bringing, he's bringing, definition. He's bringing clarity. He's designing the most gorgeous atmosphere for a place of meeting. Uh, I don't know how many of you are into interior decorating or watch, you know, at least the shows that focus on interior decorating. I don't know about you guys. Sometimes I just watch them and I have to guard my heart just from like jealousy. And I'm like, that would be fun to do. I have no skill to execute that. I need to find friends that do. Um, you know, Kelly and I, we knew like we had to get, we, we couldn't, we can't really get a fixer upper cause it will never get fixed up. Um, it will just be forever a fixer upper. Uh, we've got friends, our friends, uh, Amy and Brian Grant, they're just phenomenal, that kind of stuff. And, and so I, I, I hesitate to let Kelly go over to their house because I know she's going to look and they're, she's going to say, Oh, how did you guys do that? And Amy is just like, Oh, I just found this. And Brian's like, yeah, I just do whatever Amy asked me to do. And I, and, and then Kelly's going to look at me and I'm like, I'll write you a song about it. Um, isn't it great? Isn't it neat? Wait, that was already, it's already rehashed. Um, but we see that in the beginning, God, the story of God begins with God as a loving creator setting this atmosphere. He's the creator of all things, and humanity was the pinnacle of his work. He, he created all these things. Why? So that he could meet with us. And it wasn't that he needed us. He was fully satisfied, fully uh, satisfied and contained within himself, within the Trinity, the perfect community, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, in perfect community. And it was out of that desire that that would be shared that he created us. And so he makes man and woman in his image. Now, I love this, and I think it's so important that we don't lose sight of it because sometimes we get confused because we hear crazy stuff going on. Stuff is going to put it politely. Crazy stuff going on in the culture. But the truth, somebody asked me the other day, they said, what do you think about, do you think there should be women in leadership in the church? And sometimes that's a tra- people just say that as kind of a trick question or a trip-up question. And quite frankly, when you read the beginning of the book, I don't know how you expect to reveal the full glory of God without women functioning in the way that God has intended them to function. Y'all hear me this morning. We need both male and female to reveal the fullness of the picture of God. Now, we can get in all debates about all that stuff, but I think it's important that we understand we've got to honor what God honors. Y'all hear me this morning. And so he chose, he, he wanted to create us to reveal his glory and to fellowship with us. It's a picture of paradise, humanity enjoying unhindered fellowship, unseparated fellowship with God, exercising and loving dominion over all God's creation, working to cultivate and steward creation in the notable absence of evil and suffering. It was amazing. Everything, it wasn't like God did them like, Sometimes I feel like grown folks back in the day, I don't know if you all do this, but some cultures, they put plastic on their furniture, and you don't live in the living room. You look at it longingly. 
Especially when guests come and they go into the living room and you live there and you have yet to cross the threshold of said living room. He didn't create everything and say, hey, keep your hands to yourself. Don't, you know, no, nah, don't touch nothing. No, no, no. But that's a stupid name. Why would you name that? You know, no, no, no. He said, hey, all of this, I want you to be a part of this with me. What do you want to name that animal? It's a funky looking thing. Aardvark. We'll go with that. Yeah, that's cool. I mean, I might not have done that, but you did it. You're my son. Go ahead. Go ahead. He, he, he got humanity. He wanted humanity to be a part of it. He wasn't just saying, hey, I'm going to create you, but don't mess anything up. In the beginning, God created us to be with him in a place called good. Tragically, that good place did not last for very long. We look and we read in Genesis 3, 1 through 7. You can look at that in your scripture. Or you can pull it up. I think we have it on, on the screen. I want to read that to us. There we go. It says, Now the serpent who was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made, he said to the woman, Did God actually say, You shall not eat of the tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said, You shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. When the serpent said, but the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God. Now, I know we're only, we're only about three chapters in. Just a bit ago, we already saw God, they didn't need to be like God. He already made them in his image, right? He'd already called them to be a part of what he was doing. So the enemy was just trying to twist and manipulate the situation. It wasn't that you'd be like God, but that you'd be worshipped like God, that you would determine, that it wouldn't be enough that God would determine what is good and what is right, as he had already established. I love that after everything he created, God said, this is good. This is good. This is good. That's what he says about you. This is good. And here it is, the enemy started bringing uncertainty and deception. He says, um, See, your eyes will knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both were open, and they knew that they were naked and that they'd sewn fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. So now, as a result of Adam and Eve exchanging complete freedom, joy, security. You know, for those, I mean, this wasn't like they had daddy issues, right? They had a perfect father, perfectly loved, perfectly provided for, and yet they chose to disobey. They chose to give it up. And in that, violating humanity's fellowship and relationship with God. Through God's design, Adam, he represented all humanity. So therefore, Adam's sin was a huge deal. As a result of Adam's sin, it was a trespass that led for the condemnation of all humanity. We talk about the fall. That was a big fall. As a result, sin enters the hearts of humanity, making us rebellious towards God to our very core. And now we run and we hide from God's goodness, from his light, to hide into the darkness that we take on our rebelliousness and we grow towards, we are more inclined towards evil than good. It's what we call, some of you might have heard the term, sin nature. We are born 
at enmity with God. We are born in opposition. You know, people say, you know, you know evil is just learned. Evil, I've never, I don't think anyone has had to teach a baby to say, mine. I never, I, I promise you, I've never instructed my three-year-old to slap his sister or to push. Yesterday, Kelly calls me. She goes, honey, do you see Judah and Johnny? I was like, what? They're in the backyard. Judah is laying him out. <laughs> and I look, and they're like practicing, running up to each other and bumping chests to see who can knock the other one down hardest. <laughs> so daddy had to go out there too. But our, we, we are not just, um, we're not just all created good and we just inherit evil. No, we inherited evil. Not even, the scripture says that even our good deeds are but filthy rags before the Lord. What did man do? Man began to take these fig leaves and try to make with their own hands a covering that would cover up their shame and their brokenness. And that's what we do today. We try to find things, whether it be our education, whether it be our money, whether it be our religious pride. We try to find things to make these man-made coverings to make us feel a little bit better about ourselves. But the reality is it doesn't matter. All of that stuff in light of the sin and the brokenness can never bridge the gap. We could never close the gap of sin and shame and pay that debt ourselves. The scripture says that the wages of sin is death. What does that mean? That as a result, what we see moving forward was as a result of the sin, as a result of the trespass, what was required for the repentance and the forgiveness of sin was a blood sacrifice. And so here, they had tried to make these fig leaf coverings to cover themselves, but what God had is he had something greater in mind because he knew the way things worked. And so when we look further into the scripture, we see that God made coverings for them from the skins of animals. It's kind of the first foreshadowing of not just how he was gonna cover them, but what was to come because it's not just this second chapter of the fall. It doesn't end there. I don't know about you guys. Sometimes when I'm creating, uh, I love writing stories, creative stories and stuff, Sometimes you just, you're like, man, I just really screwed that up. Let me start over. I'm kind of like super, it's like a weird kind of OCD. If you've ever seen my notes, if you've ever been around me, uh, particularly people who have ever seen me with a whiteboard, I can get kind of, I can drive people crazy because I just want my notebook to be perfect. So I buy a certain amount, certain kind of pens, you know, I got my pens. I don't use any other pen. I got my pens I like to write with. As a matter of fact, we are when myself and this other lady who had had her car vandalized, we were with the police officer, and they're sorting through the stuff, and uh, he pulled out a pen. He goes, uh, and I almost came across like pen prideful. Uh, he pulled out this pen. He said, sir, is this yours? I was like, no, that's not my pen. He's like, how do you know? I was like, well, I only get a certain kind of pen. And so I pulled it aside, and then I just like the way it writes. So when I write, I like everything perfect. When if I make a mistake, I seriously, I have a conflict. I have a moment where I'm like, do I rip this page and throw it away? Or do I just try to turn that into an E? And I have to make this decision. I'm so glad that that was not God's mannerism. That was not his personality. From the moment that man trespassed against him, immediately, God didn't stay back. He didn't say, you know what, I just need some time away from you. I can't even look at you right now. He came looking for them. He came with a plan of complete redemption. Chapter 3, 
is a redemption. God set his plan immediately. Helpless, we were helpless to find our way back to him. But he pursued us to deliver us. Jesus came. God came in the flesh in Jesus. He came to live the life that we should have lived. Live the life of obedience that we could not live and he died the death that we should have died for our sin and our guilt. And he took on the full wrath and judgment of God so that we wouldn't have to carry it. We couldn't carry it. And in doing so, Jesus, he alone completely satisfied God's holy standard on our behalf. He showed God's love for us while we were sinners. I love that he didn't wait for us to get gussied up. He didn't waste, I know that's an old school name. He didn't wait for us to get all fixed up to demonstrate his love for us. You know, sometimes people, uh, I, I know I'm maybe the only one in here where it's like, if, if somebody's in need or maybe they betrayed my trust or somebody, you know, hurt me, it's like, okay, well, maybe I'll give you a second chance, but I'm going to have to see some fruit of repentance first, Right? Yeah, I might trust you, you know. Trust, trust is, uh, what do they say? Trust is lost in buckets and gained in spoonfuls. Like, yeah, you got some more spoonfuls. And we, we treat each other this way. God says, you know what? I'm not waiting for you. I, I love you unconditionally. It's a sacrificial love. I had a pastor that called me out one time because I was afraid to, to tell Kelly that I loved her. And, you know, I, I was wrecked with rejection and, and had, you know, was just fearful of even, you know, I would try to even, when I'd ask people out, I would try to kind of manipulate it so I didn't really have to ask them out so that if they said no, I kind of had an out. And I was like, oh, I didn't want to go out with you anyway, Stank. Uh, I didn't even like your position. I was just playing, ha I don't like you. Um, and I was, I was nervous about it. And, and he asked me, he said, John, do you love her or not? I said, I don't know. I don't know if she loves me. He goes, no, I didn't ask you if she loves you. Ask you if you love her or not. He's like, you're supposed to love her the way Jesus loves her. Jesus loved you regardless of whether you thought about him or not. While we were yet sinners, he endured the cross. He pursued us in all of our nastiness and our jankiness, knowing not only about our past, but knowing what we would mess up with in the future. He pursued us to redeem us. And our response to Jesus is to wholeheartedly believe in him. Now, I think some, I often say that many times you can tell the, the level, and, and, and I, I understand that there are different personalities. Some people tend to be more expressive in their emotive, in their emotion, in their revealing affection. You know, some people you're like, oh, get a room, you know. And, you know, other people, you know, they're just, it's amazing, especially within a worship setting. I'll have people, I had like a showdown. For those of you who don't know, I was a worship leader. I am a worship leader, but I was a worship, led worship primarily vocationally for 14 years. And I remember early on in my immaturity and my zeal, I would like look for the one person who wasn't worshiping. And they would just kind of be giving me, it's like a staring contest. So I remember this one guy in particular, I was in Tallahassee, his hands in his pockets. And he just kind of looked at me like this. And I looked at him, we were going, and I locked eyes with him, and it was like a bad thing. Because we were going, I was like, yeah, I think we were singing, what is it? Uh, we worship you, hallelujah. Oh, okay. And I was like, all right, everybody, let's clap our hands. And I was looking at him, and he just went like, he actually, his arms were folded, and he goes. Like, oh, oh, really? This is, this is what's going down. 
And I'm thinking, man, this guy hates, he hates worship, he hates God, he hates me. He's going to come beat me up after service. And so, like, after service, I see him, and, and, and he's kind of heading out of the door, and I catch his eye, and we lock eyes again. I was thinking it's going to be like one of those catch-me-outside moments. How about that? And I see him, and he goes, man, I love worship. And I was like, wait, what? <laughs> skirt, skirt. Like, what? Some of us don't emote in the same way, but. I want to challenge us in that, is that many times our level of expression and worship has a lot to do with our revelation of what God has done for us, right? You will engage someone, you will show a certain level of appreciation to someone based on the revelation of how, you, how much you understand what they've given you. So, you know, if somebody like buys you a coffee, you're like, thank you, you know? I didn't want to, I didn't expect that. It was a blessing, Right? But you're probably like not going to like start weeping over that cup of coffee unless like that is all that you have desired in life. You're like, God, please send me someone to buy a cup of coffee. But you're going to show some appreciation, right? But if you found out that you were diagnosed with an incurable disease, that the only thing that could cure you would be a blood transfusion that only one person could give you, and it would possibly cause them to lose their life, and they did that, your expression of gratitude would probably be more than free coffee much. Y'all with me today? And so when we talk about surrendering our lives, coming wholeheartedly, repenting and turning, it's not just because grandma said so. It's not just because if you don't, the Lord's going to get you in your sleep. It's because of a revelation of his love. We can't be afraid to recognize how great the gap was. You couldn't close the gap on your own. It was impossible. Nobody would give, nobody would pay that price but Jesus. And he did it. But it doesn't stop there. You see, in the beginning, God created us. To, he created humanity to be with him in a place called good. Our sin and rebellion separated us from him and turned what was good into disarray and decay. Through Jesus, the debt of our sin is forgiven and we can be redeemed to him, but it doesn't end there. You see, one day, he will fully restore all things and we will once again be with him in a place called good. You see, in the scripture, when we look at the book of Revelation, we don't just see what he did at Calvary, but we see what is yet to come and what we are living in. The final chapter is still being written. You see, if we're itching to kind of check it out, I don't know if you're like me when it came to the Choose Your Own Adventure books. I like to go look to the back of the book and see what's the best ending, and then I would kind of reverse engineer that sucker so I could get the best ending. I don't want whack endings, right? I don't want to spend that time. I want to know that the track, the trajectory that I'm in has the best ending at the end. In the same way, we don't have to wait to the end to be able to pick the right track. We can look and see what is the one that wins. What is the life? What is the story that wins in the end and align and be aligned with Christ in that way? God's plan of redemption is complete restoration. What he set in motion at the beginning, he will fulfill through the end. His desire was not just, he didn't just make creation and he didn't, his plan wasn't just to almost restore everything, to almost fix everything. 
His desire was that we would be redeemed and reconciled to him and that all things, a new heaven, a new earth, would be restored. It says in Revelation, I want to read Revelations 21. It says, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. God creates a perfectly good world for us to enjoy. Man rebels against God, bringing serious disharmony between man, God, and creation. God enters into history in the person of Jesus to make wrong things right again, and through him we can look forward to all things to all things being restored as God originally intended. Now what is even greater is knowing that we're not just some random minions in this narrative, but we were the object of his love and affection. When we look at the picture, it's important to understand when we say the unshakable life understands their placement in the story of God is that you are not just a passing cast character. You are not mailman number two. You are the object of his love and affection. That Jesus went to the cross for you. Sometimes it's easy for us to think that God so loved the world, and it's really hard for us to believe that God so loved John. That God so loved Sarah, that God so loved Martel, that God so loved Tiffany. He did it for you. And you can know that anything that he sets his mind to, he fulfills it. The scripture says, he who began a good work in you will be faithful to carry it to completion. Now, I don't know what point, what point in the story that you feel like you're in this morning. Richie, you can go ahead and come up on the keys, bro. Whether right now you're experiencing the joy of redemption or maybe you're coming off of a fall this week. But I want to remind us this morning and help us to see that the story that God has written is a story that ends, that is began in love, carried through in love, and ends in victorious love. It doesn't matter what you're feeling, where you, whether you feel like you're worthless. If you feel like you're worthless, I remind you, it was while we were sinners that he pursued us in love. It doesn't matter how much you think you've done or how little, you know, one of my biggest challenges at times with, with my relationship was wondering, you know, am I worthy of this love? And the truth is, no. None of us are. And yet he loves us still. Sometimes we can wonder, man, okay, I get this, but how do I not mess it up? Our works didn't get us his love and affection, and it won't keep us in his love and affection. He loves us regardless. 
But what he does call is just to surrender. He calls us to come into a posture of submission that stops trying to cover up our stuff, stops trying to be our own Savior, stops trying to scribble over what he has called good and redefine it, but to simply surrender to the pen of this writer. Say, Lord, write my life. It doesn't matter how many, you might try to scribble things out. Maybe you don't like this part of your story. Whatever it is, God will work it out. He loves rewriting. He loves completing the story of redemption. In the beginning, he created humanity to be with him. Our destiny was to be with him in a place called good. He wants us not just to be with him, but to be a part of it, to be a part of the restoration. So I want to challenge us. One, if you're in here this morning and you, have, you know that you're not with him, that division of sin has been very recognizable to you. You know that you're not walking in this relationship. You're not walking reconciled. You're still marred and caught up in the sin and the condemnation and the shame. And you're just tired of the game of covering yourself up. God wants to meet you this morning. He wants you, he wants today to be a day of redemption for you. If that's you, we have people that want to pray for you. If that's you this morning, I want to encourage you, you can either come forward or you can particularly, you can go out to our city central table. We have people that would love to pray with you, love to connect with you, love to meet with you. Another practical thing that we want to encourage you to do is this week we're continuing with our city groups. Anybody went to a city group last week? We have any hands? Come on, come on city groups. Amen. We're going to continue unpacking each week the things that we're talking about in here is we're laying foundations to build an unshakable life. This is a great opportunity for you to get to know this more. Maybe you're like, you know what? I'm I'm feeling like I want to know more about this, but I still have questions. That's okay. God's never intimidated by your questions. We want to invite you to come, sign up, connect with others who can encourage you in your faith and help lay those good foundations in your life. But the other thing that I want to encourage us and challenge us in is this, is that, again, God did not just redeem us and then just tell us, hey, okay, don't mess anything up. You guys already messed up once. He actually calls us and wants us to be a part of the restoration of our community. Sometimes we think of all things. It's like, I don't know how to restore heaven. Let's just begin to walk it out day by day, releasing and restoring love and peace, whether it be in your workplace or the campus. One of the things that we're going to be unveiling and, and rolling out soon is God is opening up some beautiful doors for us at City of Lights to really partner with an organization here uh, in the city to, to really bless and become a part of the community in a very tangible way. And so I'm excited to see how God's going to unfold that for us. We're going to start rolling some of that out. But I want to encourage you, look for those opportunities. Not when we go out. You're not just existing here on earth. You are part of God's story to restore the earth. Amen. Do you hear me this morning? Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you are in the restoration business. Lord, that you were never deterred in your pursuit of us, God. Lord, that you never thought for a second to scribble us, to move on to another planet. But Lord, your purpose for us was to be with you, and you have fulfilled that.
Lord, I ask that you would help us to be able to receive this kind of love. I just believe that there's some of you in here, even as our eyes are closed, gosh, it's really hard for you to receive this love. Whether it was because of a sexual sin, abuse that you experienced, even particularly abuse experienced from a family member, there's been this thing that's, that's marred you to where you have, you have not believed that you are worthy to be loved. I believe the Lord wants to minister to you this morning. He wants to break up that callousness. He wants to break that lie that has followed you and stalked you even since you were a child. He wants you to experience his redeeming love today. Father, I pray for whoever it is that needs to hear that word. Lord, I pray that you'd soften their heart, Lord. That you'd help them to receive that love. And regardless of whether you've experienced abuse, I just believe the Lord right now, he just wants you to experience his affection. Lord, help us. Help us, Lord. Help us to receive your love and be changed by it. In Jesus' name, amen. Bless you. Thanks again for joining us. Don't forget, you can find us online at cityoflights.church and connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.